Hi, welcome to Romance Happy Hour. I'm Dylan Crush. And I'm Don Ludicky. We're bringing you your favorite romance authors. You'll get to hear them read from their books and answer your questions. Now let's get on with the show. Hi, welcome. Welcome to Romance Happy Hour um, with me and Dylan. Uh, we're here with Carrie Lindell and Christina Hovland. Um, to talk uh, to you and read um, your excerpts from their amazing books. Um, currently, I am working on, uh, I just got word from my agent that um, HQN wants to see a, um, a manuscript for a contemporary Coast Guard book. So I'm very excited about that. So I'm about to start that, working on some character development there. And um, and then just waiting to hear back from Harlequin about uh, a submission. And that's what's going on with me right now. What about you, Dylan? Well, and that's the one I read, right? Uh, yes, yes. A while ago, okay. Cool, yeah. congratulations. Thanks, you're muffled again though, just so you know. Oh, it's because, is, it, is that better? Yes, it is. <laughs> my computer is on my pillow because I'm hiding out in my bedroom tonight um, with a dog and a cat. So they may make an appearance. Um, at some point in time. So I am still working on um, my indie series that I'm going to publish in spring sometime, um, 2019. And um, edits are coming back soon for the third book in the Holiday Texas series, which we haven't revealed the title yet. Um, but maybe I'll get to do that on Romance Happy Hour sometime. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, just lots of edits and Radish is still going well, um, betting on the bad boy. I've got less than 20 episodes left in that story to release. So it's not too late to jump on the Dante and Faith bandwagon. And I've read that book. I read it before it was a, like when it was just still a manuscript and it's amazing. It's so cute. I loved it. That's the very first <laughs> red sorry all right i'm gonna admit i've had spiked eggnog i've had santa's what do you call it santa's oh santa's nightcap my husband came up with that name i think he did a good job i'm on straight up water right now yeah because i i was um i didn't have enough time to run downstairs and grab my beverage <laughs> sorry so and all right my Christina. husband does not make and deliver drinks like yours does so well, mine's gone, so you can't deliver any. And, the, and this is it, guys. I don't have seconds, so I'm not going to be toasted. <laughs> Wait, we have to cut you off. <laughs> All right. Christina, what are you working on? Drinking or writing? Both. <laughs> well, for the beverages section of the evening, I have a cup of water, which is very not cool. I'm oh, that is not that. what you were sipping on a minute ago. And <laughs> I made I made chicken tetrazzini, and I had to open a a, a bottle of Chardonnay. So you know, you had to. It's yeah. the hazards of making chicken tetrazzini. <laughs> what am I working on? Oh my gosh, I don't even know anymore. Um, I'm working on actually, I do know what I'm working on. It's book two of the Mile High Match series called Blow Me Away. Oh, that's yep. a good title. Super excited about it. Yep. And it's and I've read that one and it's very clever and witty and fun and just like going down on one knee. Yep, going oh, down on one knee is Breckenbach's story. Jason Heather are in Blow Me Away and it involves naughty cookies and a kind of a crazy grandma and a super hot florist. So. That sounds funny. It sounds hilarious. It's real good. Thirteen here. You did huh? that, didn't you? We are PG-13 here, so you can't talk about your cookies. I can say naughty. Yeah. Do you want me to go into detail? There will be no baking <laughs> demo tonight. No. All right, I Carrie, what are you working on? I can't oh, say naughty I'm working, words. <laughs> I'm working on a really good head cold. Oh, man. <laughs> A lot of cold medicine that will hopefully keep me from coughing or sneezing or doing anything really obnoxious while I'm here. Um, and I'm working on the final book in my Texas Rodeo series. So um, I'm going to be glad to get that wrapped up. Uh, 
it's been a good time, but I'm ready to move on to some other things. And I've got some other projects that we haven't announced yet, so I can't talk about. Nice. And um, I guess I can say that we have um, my next series is going to start. I will be moving to Montana, so I'm excited about that. Um, I get to so, move back to the home country, which I've kind you, of been sneaking in there to these last few rodeo books anyway. Or are you uh, Texas. currently living in Montana or are you living in Texas? Oh, no, I live in Montana. So you're on the you're on the eastern coast. That's why it's all windy in the eastern side, right? I am on the yeah. I'm right off the east side of the Rockies. Like I can see them out my window. Mm-hmm. And so, my, um, yeah, it's this is this this is the side of Montana that the movie stars do not buy their ranches in. <laughs> Thank goodness. It's been like this. They're they've been blowing semi trucks off the highway. Oh know? my gosh. Yeah. So no, it's, it's bad. That's why they call them Chinooks, right? Yeah. Well, well, when it's warm, we do. Yeah. When they, when uh, they come in as a warm wind, they're called a Chinook wind. But this is just wind. We have yeah. just wind, and then we have Chinook wind, and then we have, you know, we have all, we're like the Eskimos with snow. We have like a hundred different names for the wind. Most yeah. of them, which I can't repeat if it's PG-13. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Montana. My mom was, um, she lived at, on Flathead. For a while, they had uh, 40 acres out there, and but now they live down in Hamilton, and all my sisters from Missoula. Yeah, those are all the parts where the movie stars have their houses. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, my, not my, my, part. <laughs> my stepdad's had a couple run-ins with them. He, he hasn't been impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it's one, like I said, we, we, that's one thing we don't have to worry about here, because yeah. they don't want to live where the wind blows. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Christina, do you want to uh, take it away and, and read sure. us the book and then chat with our reading? Sure. So um, I am going to read a little bit of the Christmas novella, which is the prequel to Going Down on One Knee. And then I'll read a little bit of Going Down on One Knee um, here in a little bit. So we'll start with this one. Start with this one and then we'll move to that one. Okay. So this is called I don't know if I can even say the title. Am I allowed to say the title? Sure. Okay, well, I guess I'm on by myself, so I get to make the rules. This is called Rock Hard Cowboy. Um, chapter one, two weeks to Christmas. Christmas sucked. Also, okay, had great hair. Amazing black hair. Not too long, not too short. The perfect length for running a girl's finger through. And that little beard, it worked. I'm going to read Paul, Dark, Miss Novella, and Christmas. Mackenzie Bennett nursed her tall glass of seltzer water with a twist of lime while making herself seen in the newest hoity-toity, excessively expensive Los Angeles nightclub. The fizzy bubbles in her drinks had disappeared over an hour ago. Music pulsed around her, the strobe lights on the dance floor below making the revelers appear as disjointed puppets. Funny that. If there was a disjointed puppet on the premises, it was her always doing what she was told, always standing where directed, always being someone else. She kept a smile plastered on her face and her expression light. That's what good actresses did. Never show how you really feel when you're on the job. Always let the character shine through. In that moment, the character was the version of herself the public got to see. The smoky-eyed, shiny-haired starlet who really, deep down, wanted to spend her evening binging on Netflix while eating a grilled cheese sandwich created with the most overprocessed American cheese product she could find. God, she missed food like that. She held her gaze on rocker legend slash cowboy Tucker, the way he was propped up in a corner booth in the VIP section, the way his head popped so slightly to the thump of the blaring music, the way he muffled along the edge of the booth and his laughter permeated the VIP lounge. You're not having any fun. Her best friend and business manager, Lee, waved, waggled a tipsy red painted fingertip in her direction. Half of her nails were red, half green, very festive and all of that. We're worried about you. They're not quite drunk friend Abby squeezed Kinsey's arm. Do I need to call Taylor, get the whole game together? We should do a holiday cheer intervention, Lee suggested. We'll drink eggnog and make her sing jingle bells. Kinsey couldn't help but smile at that played at the edges of her mouth. These women made up Kinsey's entourage, the ones who got the messy reality alongside the Hollywood glam. The ones who knew Kenzie had a secret passion for 1 a.m. bubble baths and writing screenplays that would never be produced. The ones who, no matter how adept an actress Kenzie was, 
would know that she was putting up a front. They knew her better than she knew herself most times, so she didn't lie. I'm just doing my time. She nodded towards the group of women a level down on the dance floor. That group of ladies had been watching her for a solid 20 minutes. One of them waved back tentatively, giggled and huddled with her friends. Your holiday spirit is seriously lacking. Lee snagged a martini from the waiter circulating a tray loaded with the drink of the day, something orange and red, and it probably tasted like pineapple, if Kinsey had to guess. I'll find my Christmas cheer once the offer comes through. Kinsey eyed the sunset-colored drink. She wanted one, sure, but she wouldn't have one, not when she was in public, not when she was on the job, and if the job was stupid. She <coughs> paid an absurd amount of money tonight to be at the club, a club she had absolutely no intention of ever visiting again. That wasn't the point, though. Once she was seen somewhere, patrons would show up again and again, hoping to get sense of her. Since her last box office receipts had been lacking, she filled her budget gaps with appearances until the next opportunity moseyed along, which would, she prayed, to Lady Luck be soon. Soonish. Any day, they'll come around any day now, Abby assured. That was easy for her to say. Her life wasn't publicly and personally entwined in her ability to stay on the big screen. Sure, Kinsey had been smart with her money, saved it, invested it. But with the way Hollywood worked, her savings could only take her so far. She needed to nab a new role. Don't look, the future is ahead. Lee made a dramatic hand motion like a soldier heading into battle. Negotiations on Kinsey's latest movie, a romantic comedy about a farm girl in the big city, had fallen apart weeks ago after her latest film flopped at the box office. Someone from the studio had leaked that they were eyeing another actor for the part. Kinsey felt like the trap door had opened, spilling a watch of actress just shy of stage left. It was all very, very public. Very, very humiliating. I'm not looking back. No, she was looking straight at Tucker. Kinsey's gaze slid the length of him. He might be a rock and roll legend, but he was also muscled, charming, and a total jerk. A jerk she'd shared a moment with Amir last month. It was like in one of those movies when the heroine sees the hero from across the room. They trace each other with their eyes up and down, both liking what they see, and then something more, a connection forms. Love at first sight? No, that doesn't happen but definitely more than lust. They chatted about the business, his music, her movies. He told her about his family, his ranch. She'd shared about her dreams of time away from the world where she wouldn't always be the focus. Her job was her passion, but sometimes she dreamed of a break. Those were the times she'd doodle out a scene or two of her own creation. She told him that bit too. Only those closest to her knew about her writing. He was entirely too easy to talk to. For a glimmer of a second, she thought what she and Tucker had between them was real. Not even the Hollywood brand of real, but out of the spotlight, real. When she'd searched him out later that night to make her move, he was gone. Then he told the press she was a crappy actress. Then her movie lost a shit ton of money at the box office. So yeah, she was a little raw about it all. That treatment from nearly anyone else? She'd merely smile and move along. She'd been in the business long enough to understand everyone had an opinion, but... For some reason, Tucker's mattered. His criticism stung. Tonight, she would remedy that as soon as she figured out what to say. You should dance. Lee slipped her arm through Kenzie's and tugged her toward the VIP dance floor. Abby linked her other arm and helped Lee scoot her along. Not nearly as packed as the one downstairs, this dance floor was created for visibility throughout the club. Kenzie was being paid to attend tonight and it was expected that she appear to have a fabulous time. Her contract said so. In a sec, I'm gonna go talk to Tucker first. Kinsey disentangled her arms, stood tall on her stiletto heels, and weaved through the crowd toward him. That's a bad idea, Lee continued talking, but Kinsey ignored her. What was she going to say? She had no idea. She was going to tell him something. Find out why he'd said mean things about her, what she'd done to offend him, that kind of thing. She'd figure it out. Maybe something about how he'd hurt her feelings and he should apologize. Yes, that's what she'd say. The nearly transparent dress her stylist had outfitted her in made hustling anywhere practically impossible. The heels didn't help. So she took her time, sauntering across the VIP section. Her bodyguard shadowed her movements. He was behind her, but she knew he was there. He was always there when she did these appearances. Tucker, she asked as she approached his table. His gaze lifted to her. It stopped, softened for a split second. Hey, I came by to say hello. She fidgeted with her glass, which was unacceptable. She set it on the table and nudged it from the edge with her finger. Have a seat. He gestured to the other side of the booth. The guy sitting there scooted over to make room for her. 
She didn't sit. I was thinking we could chat alone about some of the things you mentioned to a reporter about my movie. Oh, that. He ran a hand over his neck. The movement made the defined muscles of his triceps bunch. Damn it, she wasn't here to check out his arms. Have your people call his people, one of his people said. Kinsey leaned toward Tucker, ignoring his entourage. I'd really like a conversation. Look, his eyes were soft again. He gave a nearly imperceptible shake of his head. Magazines print what magazines print. She took a deep breath. I just think someone, a bulky someone, bumped her from behind. The stilettos wobbled, her balance precarious. She threw her arm wide to catch herself. It didn't work. Her knees, buckled, her knees buckled. Damn, this was going to hurt. She felt shit. Have to grab her. Too late. The momentum caught her, and that's how. Two weeks before Christmas, she found first in Tucker Lee's crotch, and that's the first part of Rockhard Cowboy. So I think that's probably long, pretty long. So I don't want to pick another book unless you guys want me to. So I can read to you all night. Um, can you tell me something? I'll check the chat box. There Are we go. good? Yep. I can't hear because um, I turned. Sorry, I messed up. I turned off my sound because I was getting echo. Okay, now I can hear you. Yay! No, you're good. You're good. Um, I, I think it, that was so cute. Thank you. Do you I read so. questions? Down in I got to read that novella when you were working on it, or right after you had finished it, and I enjoyed it very much. It was fun. It's fun to write. I'm looking at the comments. Do I need... um? Do I have any questions? I don't know. I don't know, but Shannon Gallagher loves being read too. So, hey, Shannon. Can <laughs> <laughs> we keep reading? She oh, yeah. will. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You can read some more if you want. We got oh, and Linda made it. Yes, she did. Oh, sorry, you had trouble finding us, Linda. We're glad you made it. We've been kind of a train wreck the last couple days, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Like every day, so this is just <laughs> come on, Don. I thought we looked actually halfway decent tonight for the way. I got the light uh, to distract you from the rest of me. Gotcha. They know it's behind the sparkly earrings, exactly. And the glasses because I actually wear glasses, I'm just not wearing them recently, but like I'm like squinting at the screen. So, do you know what? When I read one of classes, it's super sexy. So I think you're good. Oh, thank you. I'm super sexy. I did because I cussed in my scene and I was almost censoring myself. And I was like, "No, I think you could say this at a PG-13 movie." You know, it is PG-13. It's Christmas Vacation. I I don't recall any of those vacation movies as being appropriate for PG-13. <laughs> or maybe I don't know. Maybe they are. I think it's PG-13. Maybe it's just PG. I don't know. I saw it recently, the rating, and I was like, really? So Tucker would say that it's all in who you pay off. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say so that? So is PG the one that's the lower, or is it PG-13 that's? It's a little higher. You can go a little bit steamier with PG-13. Yep. Okay. I and don't get out much, obviously. <laughs> Well, there's nowhere to go where you are, is there? I have a movie theater. Good, good, good. So I saw I saw a question. Do you guys want some unfiltered Jason Karma Heather? I changed her name and I just said it wrong on my TV. <laughs> I know I keep messing she used to up. Be named Karma, now she's Heather. Do you want some Jason Heather? Sure. I think you could do a little bit more because we only have two guests yeah. tonight. And I mean we've got I think we've got time if Yeah. Sounds good to me. Oh, and Shannon wants to know real quick when your uh, next book comes out. February 22nd. And it's Jason Heather's book. And if you'd like, I can read a little bit of Jason Heather. Hold on, I'll just I'll just do yeah, that for we're you. We're gonna get a special sneak peek because this is wandering into unpublished territory here. That's it. I'm not even gonna read it on my Kindle because it's not there. I'm bringing it up on my computer for you. Wow. Guys. <laughs> this is a big deal. <laughs> If I can get one to open. Will, will her name be Heather or Karma in the version you read? <laughs> We're going to see. I don't know. 
I liked the name Karma. I was bummed that you changed it to Heather. Actually, the heroine I'm writing right now is Karma. Oh, well, awesome. It's Carmelita. Her name is actually Carmelita because it's like I steal names from people I know. And that's one of my favorite aunts is named Carmelita. So I stole her name, but then I shortened it to Karma. Well, hopefully she's a sympathetic, wonderful character if you're admitting to naming her after your aunt. Yeah. <laughs> she's the heroine. She can't be too much of a jerk, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, okay. I early on when people would tell me that my heroines were unlikable. It was kind of a problem. <laughs> oh, I... Uh, when we get to my part, let me talk. We'll, we'll talk about unlikable heroines. <laughs> oh, we can talk about it now. I'm happy to share. So, um, my book, Tougher in Texas, um, that was a Rita nominee this last year, um, the heroine of that book was actually a secondary character in the previous book. And I wrote her solely to give grief to the heroine. I mean, that was her purpose in life. And, um, to give you an idea who this person, what this person is like, I came up with the idea for this character by going to um, the movie The Heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Yeah. And like Shawnee Pickett is like a cowgirl version of Melissa McCarthy's character in The Heat. So she's rude and she is rude and she is in your face. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want with her because she is only a secondary character. Yeah. Yeah, I, can, I mean, there's one point where they're arguing because she literally bullied the heroine of the Tori in college and Tori's like kind of calling her on it. And Shawnee's like, what can I say? Bitch, it's my default mode. <laughs> and this turned out and then we get to the next book and they're like, everybody wants Shawnee. And I'm like, uh, but but she's a jerk. <laughs> she's mean. And, and how do I make a heroine out of her? her but apparently it turned out okay but I, she's still the favorite everybody loves her the best. everybody wants to be shawnee yeah everybody wants to be that person who just doesn't care i no did that too with my uh montana girl series or my montana mountain series um book one the victoria's in it and she's kind of like this bossy kind of in the way you know she's she is the boss of the mill and in book three she's the heroine and my sister when i told her my sister's like who's wall gonna fall in love with is it the you know some some character that was just mentioned just for the plot and i'm like no she's gonna fall in love he's gonna fall in love with victoria my sister was mad at me that i put her together with a guy who's autistic like asperger's oh. So take that personality and then give her a hero who's got Asperger's. Oh, and you yeah. can imagine that was a lot of fun, though. It was a fun to, book to write because that was so easy to play them off of each other. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Christina, you want to you want to give us a little peek into it? Yeah. Well, okay, so was asking what movie. So before we move on, I just want to answer that. It's called The Heat. Right, that's when you were talking yes. about the heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy, and she's um, an undercover cop, right? Uh, yeah, Melissa. Uh, she's a cop. She's not undercover. She's just a cop, and like a, in Boston. And okay. uh, Sandra Bullock is an F, like this really straight-laced FBI right. agent who comes in, and they end up like being partnered up to on this. Yeah drug investigation it's hilarious it's really not pg-13 um, <laughs> but it's 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 a really cool movie because it's really about the relationship there there's a little bit of romance in it but it's really about the relationship between these two women and it's like a buddy cop movie with women mm -hmm. and it, it's really fun it was, it was funny i and, really liked that one i just like 10 minutes in i looked at the friend i went to the movie with and i'm like i've got to write that character <laughs> I've got to put her in a book. All right, Christina. All right, so this is unedited, unfiltered. Well, it's edited, but it's not filtered. So um, it could change in the final version. So, you know, you should listen to it now and see how it evolves as it moves forward to February. All right. So which, which uh, are you going to read from? I'm going to start at the beginning because I think starting at the beginning is a good place to start. Yeah, okay. I agree. 
So, okay. And it's called chapter one. <laughs> That's literally what it says on, on the doc. Okay. Jay Stavornikov's abs made Heather Reese seriously reconsider swearing off men. Almost. Gawking at the hottie florist while he'd had his own private dance party for one wasn't Heather's thing. She was a woman in control of her own destiny. That's what she tried to tell herself anyway. Still, she stared through a storefront window in the posh Cherry Creek neighborhood of Denver, Colorado. Her feet remained cemented on the sidewalk. A burst of her breath fogged against his window and she memorized every move shirtless Jace made. Instead of opening the stupid door to step inside, his hips thrust, shoulders rolled, and who was she kidding? She couldn't look away from him. If he was going to put it all out there, she might as well appreciate the view. The man had dance moves. She'd give him that. Like watching one of her favorite game shows, which door was she going to pick? Shops along their street were barely starting to open, too early for a dance party at her friendly neighborhood flower shop. Apparently, Jace, her neighbor, didn't agree. She shook the foggy haze from her brain. Sweet goddess of gold's gem, the man distracted her. She opened door number one and stepped through, stumbling over her feet only a little. Hey, Jace. As soon as the words slipped past her lips, she knew they couldn't be heard over the music blaring through the shop. She cleared her throat and shifted in her red Heather's Cookie and Company embroidered polo shirt. Hopeful, the man dancing across the concrete floor would pause long enough to toss a glance her way. Not because she wanted him to glance her way, but because she needed his attention so she could give him his poster. To the senior, senior prom for the nursing home where she volunteered. Nothing more. He didn't. Instead, he continued gyrating his hips and stuffing pink carnations into a wreath with a gold banner that read, In loving memory, Phyllis. Jace, she called, raising her voice over the music. Okay, that got his attention. He finally glanced her way, paused mid-daffodil thrust and a wicked smile crept across his lips. Heather, hey. Her blood heated from his gaze, tingled as it swished through her veins. Oh, for pity's sake. Her body begged her to grin back, say hey to him, get her out of the drought that had become her dating life. She told her body to hush. She had spent months detoxing from men and their unkept promises, men and their unwillingness to fit her into their lives. Okay, maybe not all men, just the ones she dated. There was obviously no need to jump back in and take another hit just because Jace said, Heather, hey, all sexy-like. <laughs> Two quick strides brought Jace to the cash register. He flipped a switch. The music zipped to a stop. Heather gripped the stack of posters in her hands. Her brainchild, a prom for the senior citizens, something to get them up and moving and having a good time. Also, another distraction to prevent her from breaking her no-men rule. Sorry, I can come back later if you'd rather. She inhaled a long floral scented breath of air and tacked on a smile. Don't be sorry. He scrawled something on a notepad. Now's good. I just lost track of time. I didn't hear you come in. That would explain the dancing and the lack of clothing. She gestured to his bare pecs and quickly glanced away to the assortment of potted cactus plants dotting along the wall. Oh, all right. I just got distracted. I work best when I'm in the zone. He yanked a thin white t-shirt under the counter and tugged it over his head. There, much better. So, she set the stack of posters on the countertop and tapped her fingertip against the top one. I brought a poster for your window. He studied her handiwork and flicked the end of a pen against his palm in time with the beat of the now turned off music. Prom, huh? Fun. He dropped the pen, rubbed his hands together, and locked his gaze to hers in a way that made her insides purr in anticipation. I lost it. Hold on, because I'm, I'm going up and down. <laughs> PG-13. Hold on. Okay. Because I'm on like the word and so I'm okay. Uh, oh, you don't like PG-13, Christina? What? You don't like PG-13? No. I would say fuck no, but I don't think I can say fuck on your show. <laughs> you don't have to be system, do you? He studied her handiwork like the end of the pen against his palm. We got all that blah, blah, blah. Heard in anticipation. What are things you shouldn't do for 500, Alex? No men for you, Heather. I on the, well, poster in this instance. I was hoping you might be willing to help out with the flowers. I figured it would be a fun opportunity for everyone to get to know each other better. He stilled when she mentioned getting to know each other better. I mean, not like that. You know, the seniors getting to know each other better and having fun, not us. She finished in her head. Dean says you're single. Jane's, Jace squinted, his eyes. 
in the way that only guys tended to do right before they dropped a mammoth pickup line bomb. He'd never looked at her that way before. You and your guy broke up. Dean was her friend's husband. Jace was friends with the significant others of two of her other best friends, which meant they ran in the same circle, saw each other regularly. She'd chatted with him, danced with him at their friend's wedding. At the time, she'd been seeing Logan, so she had ignored any chemistry between her and Jace. Logan, ugh, they'd broken up, but he, that had nothing to do with anything. The lies she'd told herself were sometimes mammoth. She'd been 100% into Logan, certain the way they were heading to the chapel with a white dress and forever bells. She'd been epically wrong. Logan and I broke up a while ago, actually. Why? You look hungry, Jace announced. What was he angling at? I already ate. An English muffin sandwich thing about 20 minutes ago. He leaned forward, elbows on the counter, and flashed another grin. I'm thinking you look hungry because you're the girl I'm about to ask to dinner tonight. A sigh escaped her lungs. Cue the horrible pickup line. She called that one. Still, this was new. Jace had never asked her out before. He was a flirt, sure, but he was an equal opportunity flirt. She'd never <laughs> read more into it. In that case, you look like the guy I'm about to turn down. She bit her tongue to prevent it from turning into the no into a yes and toyed with the edge of the stack of posters. The flash of teeth against his lips nearly undid her, nearly. I've been waiting for you to ditch your boyfriend. Well, she wasn't the one who did the ditching, but he didn't need to know that. He straightened, standing at his full height. She hadn't noticed quite how tall he was before, tall and built and... Nope. That assessment about summed him up. Heather didn't date cocky guys, not anymore. She had already dated her share of players, then she moved on to Logan, who she thought wasn't a player. She got in too deep and turned out he was the king of the players. He'd played her anyway. What she thought was a relationship with potential was tossed aside after the new wore off. It ended, she swore off men, and opened a cookie shop, as one does. Heather? Jace folded a piece of tape and stuck it to the corners of the top poster. Hmm? Her eyes met his again because she refused to show weakness. You catching that? He asked, his focus returning to the poster and the tape. Catching what? Poster in hand, he moved to the front window and pressed it against the glass, smoothing it before turning back to her. Catching the little buzz we have going on between us. A little, the thing is. Come on, Heather, be strong. You are the cookie lady now. You don't date. You are all you need. That's what the podcast you've been listening to said to her over and over again. Mantra in hand, she slapped her. I'm in charge here, buddy, mask on. It would never work between us, she said. The edges of his lips ticked up ever so slightly. You can't know that. Oh, she knew. He sauntered toward her. Unwilling to back down, she stepped toward him. Expression firm, she said, I can already see exactly how this whole thing will play out if we let it. You'll start with a horrible pickup line. Guilty. His hands fell to the belt loop of his jeans. Her palm itched to press against the front of his teeth, but she refrained. Then I'd counter with a witty response. This time my reply would be better, funny, intelligent, everything. Now that I'd like to hear. Nothing but a foot of crackling air sizzled between them. Trust me, if I had said it, it would have been epic. You can't repeat something like that. It has to happen in the moment. She shook her head, the sleek ponytail she'd carefully arranged earlier, brushing against the collar of her jacket. That right there is why we wouldn't have worked out. I mean, you couldn't even come up with a snappier reply, he said. He crossed his arms, the little veins of his muscles, forearms, flexing with the motion. Oh, I would have. It would have been the best response in the history of pickup line replies. I don't believe you, he said. The glimmer in his eyes lit up his entire face. He was clearly enjoying this change entirely too much. Control. She needed the power back. Trust would have always been one of your issues in our relationship, she said. Maybe you just couldn't be honest with me about how you felt, he said. That's probably why we would have always argued. He raised his eyebrows in a clear ultimatum. Challenge accepted. She stepped the tiniest closer to him. Let's say you threw out that awful line again, the one about taking me out. I'm with you so far. He glanced down to the floor in clear acknowledgement of her movement forward, but he held his ground. We banter for a good bit, she said. His face sparked with humor. Sounds about right. Both of us would get this tingly feeling of attraction. You know the one. So maybe she made her voice a little breathier than usual. Sewer. His mouth parted, the exaggerated fullness of his lower lip. Apparent. You have the tingly feeling, he asked. She shook her head and raised a hand not touching his chest like she desperately wanted to, but going it within millimeters. 
That's not the important part. Eventually, you would convince me to go on a date. I'd take you to this great taco stand, he said. I love tacos. Despite that, she said, I'd probably let you take me out again and again. She said, not willing to acknowledge the way she wanted to nip his lip with her teeth. He nodded. I'm digging this relationship so far. Eventually, you'd ask me to move in, she said. I'd say no. You'd pressure me, even though I wouldn't be ready. What can I say? I wouldn't want to spend a night away from you. Not No use paying for two apartments. She shrugged, dropping her hand. I'd cave, and we'd finally move in together. Do we get to hook up first, he asked. Don't skip that part. This time, he moved forward. Not a lot, just a smidge. She stayed put. She refused to back up first. Of course. It would be awful. Sorry, Speed Racer, but I need more than three minutes of go time. That's not what you'd say when you screamed my name. He leaned forward, the whisper of his words brushing against her ear. God, there wasn't a breath of space between them. She was all turned on Heather, ready to throw her. Why, can you ha why have a man when you can have cookies resolve away? His breath smelled of cinnamon candy and coffee, turning her knees effectively to melted butter. No, she stopped herself. Back to the breakup at hand. Cookies were just fine for her. Better, even. I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I like that your hero. No, I like cocky guys. Thank you. Well done. Yes. Thanks. Do any readers have any questions real quick before we get go on to Carrie? All right, we're gonna go right to Carrie to give her time to read and then we'll we'll do questions afterwards. Carrie, you ready? Oh, I think so. <laughs> so I'm just warning everybody. <clears throat> yes, I haven't been out. This is why I look like this. I have not been out of my house for two days because I finally caught that head cold. This is my perfect timing because as soon as I have a reading, this is what happens. When, uh, when my second book in this series came out, I actually had to be in New York for reasons. And so uh, my publicist set up a reading for me at Lady Jane's Salon down in lower Manhattan. And the day of the reading, I lost my voice, like totally lost my voice. It was bad. <laughs> so it's like, yes, here I am in New York. I finally get to do a reading and I can't talk. No. So I'm a little better than that tonight. You can actually hear me. But um, I am going to be reading and talking about um, my Christmas book, which is Mistletoe in Texas, yeah. yeah. This is my favorite cover. I love this cover. Um, and I, they almost let him smile. This was my thing. It's like, do they all have to look so grim? Can we have a little bit of a smile, just a little bit? It's Christmas. So yeah. this one, yeah, he looks, he actually looks frighteningly like one of my college boyfriends. So. <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. He was a really nice guy. So um, I am going to read some from Mistletoe. And this book is kind of an oddball because it's like the book that was never supposed to happen. Um, I had no intention of writing about this character and um, the whole plot set up. I, I had never intended to write a secret baby book. Um, they're not really my go. It's not even really my go to trope. But I threw a secret baby subplot into the previous book as a, a conflict between the hero and heroine to keep them apart because the hero knew about the baby and the heroine didn't and the baby happened to be her brother's. And so this is this secret that he's keeping from her all the way through the fourth book. And then they came, I had the fifth book all plotted out and they said, we would like a Christmas book. And I'm like, well, the fifth book, well, the book I had in mind is not, the plot does not work for Christmas, but, you know, we'll do the prodigal son thing. So um, that's how this book ended up coming about and how this person ended up being um, the hero and heroine of this book came about. And Hank, it's literally makes his appearance on, in the fourth paragraph of the first book of, of the this series, Reckless in Texas, as this 19-year-old punk who is a pain in everybody's butt 
and he proceeds to be an increasingly bigger pain in everybody's butt through the next four books, um, starts coming kind of completely unraveled in the third book. And by the fourth book is basically missing and holed up like in some abandoned trailer in a squatter's camp in Montana because he has really burned all his bridges. And um, so one of the challenges with writing this book was that <clears throat> he had been in every single book in the series, had had conflicts with every single character in every book in the series. And so when I sat down to write this book, those every one of those um, relationships had to be addressed. And it made this book a monster to write because there was, and, but what was interesting is we took it a little different direction. So, you know, usually you have the prodigal son and there's a lot of, um, you know, we, we really delve into a lot of mental health stuff, you know, because it's Christmas, it's cheerful. Um, but, you know, Hank really basically has what in the old fashioned days we would call a nervous breakdown and he has to recover from that. And he spends, takes the time and has a person in his life, luckily, who helps him to do him that. To do. And um, when he finally, you know, she tells him it's time to go home and, and go back and face down all these people that he's disappointed and hurt along the way, um, he has really done the work and he's pretty solid. So when he gets back to Texas, the interesting thing is it's the rest of the people that... Um, he really pulls these conflicts out of and they have to deal with the things that they have been putting not dealing with and especially between him and his father so it's kind of funny that in this situation the guy who seems to be the biggest wreck is actually the most solid and it's everybody else who step up and learn to um, or figure out how to deal with the conflicts that he brings home with him and the issues that he brings home with him and so um it was a very complicated book to write and it was really hard and I'm really glad that it's done, but I think it turned out really well. It sounds really depressing. It's actually kind of funny. Um, so I'm going to read the very first time that he and Grace run into each other when he comes home um, and comes back from Montana and shows up and she kind of catches her by surprise. It was all Grace could do not to gawk at the person Shawnee dragged through the door and shoved into the chair opposite her. His sister had tried to warn her. The transformation from grinning, carefree Hank to this had to be seen to be comprehended. It was partly the hair falling to his collar around a face that had been stripped of all softness. If she squinted, she could see the bones were still the same. Everything else, the easy smile, the spark of mischief in his eyes, any sign of warmth, was gone. He barely seemed housebroken, nostrils flaring like a skittish wolf that had wandered out of the Montana wilderness and didn't care for the smell of humans. He met her gaze and for an instant there was a flicker almost like regret. Then, without blinking or breaking eye contact, he retreated to a place she couldn't follow and didn't want to if the shadows she saw were any indication of what she'd find there. They sat in an increasingly taut silence, Cole staring into his coffee cup. Steve's thick fingers drumming on the table and Grace trying to disappear between them. Dang, Shawnee said. I thought you were annoying when you wouldn't shut up. What do you want, Hank? A cinnamon roll? A pat on the head? A kick in the ass? I can dish them all up. Hank blinked, but his voice was flat. Just checking in. Gil thought y'all deserved fair warning. Yeah? Do you have plans? For what? revenge redemption the rest of the day i know he shot a sideways glance at the door like he was fixing the bolt shawnee clapped her hands together excellent grace and i could use some shoot help what grace's jaw came unhinged her sentiment was echoed on hank's face i have to you just said you didn't have plans shawnee cut in don't try to lie to me now the air in the kitchen seemed to contract, pulled tight by invisible lines of tension. Hank made a sound somewhere between a growl and a laugh. Why not? I've tripped enough shoot gates I could do it in my sleep. He 
He pushed his chair back, got up, and walked out. The door thumped shut behind him. I guess that means he's going to meet us there, Shawnee said. Cole narrowed his eyes at her. What are you doing? Just breaking the ice. She gave him a smacking kiss on the cheek. Don't worry. Me and Grace got this handled. Speak for yourself. Lord knew Grace was beyond words. You can handle it, right? Shawnee's eyebrows peaked, offering both challenge and support. I've got your back, so suck it up, cupcake. What would Grace say? Or what could Grace say? As far as any of them knew, all Hank had to be sorry for was getting drunk and informing Grace and everyone else at the Lone Star Saloon that, yes, the sex had been great, but no, he wasn't interested in doing it again. By now, any woman with a spine would be over it. Grace stiffened hers and nodded, but she allowed herself the tiniest of sighs. This was the trouble with secrets. Your friends could unknowingly force you to spend the afternoon with a man who was a whole lot more than an old embarrassment. He was the father of a child that even he didn't know she'd had. As Grace hauled her saddle out of the tack room, Shawnee asked, Are you mad? I can't tell whenever you go all Yoda about things. Considering this thing was two years, two months, and 12 days old, and Grace had just come face to face with its father for the first time since the baby was born, she was nowhere near calm. Her family and her career had just taught her to fake it really well. Grace dodged the hoof that her mare, Betsy, aimed at her toes as she tightened the cinch. I'm not mad. Stunned, shaken, guilt-stricken, and even now, irresistibly drawn to Hank. What was going on behind those impenetrable eyes when he looked at her? Plus, there was the fear, an oily film that tainted every other emotion. She'd understood that an open adoption meant sentencing herself to exile when her family learned the truth, and possibly ruining these new friendships she treasured. Her secret wasn't built to stay hidden forever, but Hank's return could bring it to light a whole lot sooner than she'd planned. Shawnee tossed a saddle blanket onto her bay. Your roping has improved a thousand percent. I know you'd love to show Hank that little Gracie has got herself some serious skills. So this is all for my benefit, Grace asked dryly. Johnny clicked a finger pistol at her. And there's more to Hank's story than his sister has been telling. Thank God. When Melanie had stumbled onto the truth, she had ultimately agreed he was in no state of mind to be told that he could add, congratulations, it's a girl, to the mountain of regrets that had buried him alive. Hank's downward spiral had carried him from Texas to Florida to Washington State and finally to that hovel in Montana. Grace had been just one of many stops along the way. For a wild, lovely, incredibly foolish weekend, she'd let herself think she could help him put on the brakes. He'd jammed the accelerator to the floor instead, leaving Grace in the dust with a pink line on a plastic stick to show for finally getting his attention. But fate was a weird thing. If she hadn't taken a stupid gamble with her birth control, Melanie and Grace would never have become friends. And Grace wouldn't have some of the best women ropers in the country as mentors. All because of Hank. As Shawnee might say, tell me how you really feel about him, Grace. Complicated was putting it mildly. And it was fixing to get more so. When Hank opened the door into the indoor arena, Grace was strapping a skid boot on the rear leg of the nearest horse. The roan yanked its foot out of her grasp to angle around and give him a once-over. Grace muttered a curse, presumably at the horse. I was beginning to wonder if you got lost, Shawnee said. Yeah, about three years ago. But he only shrugged and started for the chute, then stopped when he saw calves lined up ready to go. I thought you were roping steers. Nope. We're getting Grace tuned up for the start of next season. But that meant they didn't need him. He'd assumed they'd be team roping, one catching the horns, the other the back feet. If they were roping calves, they could take turns working the chute. So why Johnny dragged him? Wham! Grace's horse whipped around, slamming her hip into Hank's chest and knocking him flat on his back. Instinct had him rolling out of reach before scrambling to his feet, wheezing. What the... Grace snorted. Shawnee burst out laughing. The horse practically smirked at him, her eyes bright with familiar malice. Betsy. 
She had to be in her mid-twenties. She didn't look a day older than when Shawnee had roped on her in college. She'd hated Hank then, too. He bent to shake the dirt out of his hair, then scrape the tangled mess off his face. Shawnee cocked her head. Looks like you've still got the moves. Muscles contracted one by one, tension crawling up from his toes to his scalp. Yeah, his body functioned just fine. It was his brain that couldn't be trusted. Giving Betsy a wide berth as Grace mounted up, Hank strode over to the rope and chute. Ready when you are. Grace took a few warm-up swings and tucked her loop under her arm and backed the mare into the corner of the rope and box, pinning her gaze to her target as she nodded her head. Hank tripped the latch and the gate banged open. Grace took two quick swings and threw. As the loop curled around the calf's neck, Betsy slammed on the brakes. The hard plastic breakaway Honda popped free of the animal's neck with a snap and the loose end flew back right at Hank's head. It whistled past his ear, clanging off the chute yeah. as he dropped to his belly. Grace whipped around in her saddle. Are you okay? Other than damn near losing an eye? He scrambled to his feet, once more slapping dirt out of his clothes. Jesus, he would be safer fighting bulls. You've had breakaways coming back at you before, Shawnee drawled. Your sister snaps him right in front of the chute on a regular basis. Well, yeah, but I wasn't expecting me to catch so fast. Grace finally smiled at him with frost-coated triumph. Stay on your toes. That wasn't a fluke. He scowled back at her for two long beats. Then his mouth twitched as pride swelled warm and bright in his chest. She'd finally done it, made a real cowgirl out of herself. He slammed the front gate, opened the rear, and ran in another calf. Okay, then, let's see what you got. Ian. That sounds so good. So you rodeo, right? I do. What, what events do you do? Um, breakaway roping and team roping. So um, we're actually supposed to be going to a rodeo tomorrow night if I get healthy enough uh -oh. and a team roping on Saturday. So. My, uh, my, my stepdad used to do that. <laughs> Well, his wife, I guess, was on the circuit. She did. She was a barrel racer, his ex-wife. And um, he would do, oh, gosh, I, want, I know what it's called. Um, I can't even remember. I had too much whiskey and egg. <laughs> it's not rodeo. It's, uh, oh, gosh. Now, okay, Dylan, go ahead and talk until I remember it in the middle of somebody else talking. Dylan, I just want to say, no matter who we have on here, you always have some connection. Well. <laughs> she does. It's like something about rodeo, and she's like, she's rodeoed. And what was it we joked about last time you did, like, goat roping or what? Goat tying, yeah. Goat I used to, I did um, NHSRA in Montana, and uh, I did barrel racing and go tying. My sister did, they were a team roper. She was the healer. And she did pole bending and barrel racing. But I suck so bad. <laughs> I, I was a go tire for like two years in college. Yeah. But, um, I got like, I was really good at the flank and tie part, but I never had a horse that was really trained. Right. So I got dumped on my head a lot because like for the people who don't know, go tying, it's like, they stake a goat out on a 10 foot rope at one end of the arena and you start at the other and you haul butt as fast as you can. And then you jump off with yeah. this running horse and run down and flank and tie this goat. And so if your horse isn't like staying straight, which mine wouldn't, mm -hmm. mine would either like duck out to the right and leave me hanging and drop me on my face. Or I had another one that would duck in front of me and like basically run right over top of me. <laughs> So yep. it was like once I finally got to the goat and flanked, I was good. But like the getting there was kind of not. Yeah. So yeah. I decided that rope and, you know, I mean, it was kind of dumb because like my dad was a tie down roper and I didn't rope in um, high school much because we only had at that time we had like a district and then state high school rodeo and that we didn't have much for breakaway roping around. And so. I didn't rope. I rope, team roped at home with my dad, but I didn't break away rope yeah. until I got into college and moved away from home and like the practice arena with all the horses and the calves, you know, like that would have been too simple. So yeah. I waited until I was in college and had to pay for all of that. And then I decided I would get serious. 
Nice. And <laughs> you on the Blackfoot reservation your whole life? Yeah, my mom is a member of the Blackfeet tribe. Nice. So, and and actually, my sister is my older sister is too. They had a cutoff date where after that date, you had to be a certain percentage of Blackfeet blood, not Indian blood total, but actually Blackfeet. Yeah. So, um, low, my oldest sister is the only one who's enrolled. Oh. And then the rest of us are considered descendants. So yeah. um, we can still go to like Indian health services and, and qualify for certain benefits and stuff, but um, we're not, tribal members, we can't vote in tribal elections. Oh, gotcha. Kind of so. So do you have like a, did you, did you grow up on a ranch out there or just? just yeah, like little... this ranch was, um, was my grandparents' ranch. Mm -hmm. So um, my mom has lived her here pretty much her entire life other than when she was in college. And for a few years after my parents got married and then my grandpa died and they moved home to help my grandma out with the ranch and they've been here ever since. But um, some of the land back in the late 1880s, early 1900s, they did what they called allotments and they actually gave parcels of land to each tribal member. They were hoping to make the Indians into farmers yeah. and um, didn't work out that great, but actually most of the land where I live, um, the next ranch west of us belongs to um, my cousins, and then there's another ranch on further west. So basically, there's two families out here in about a, I don't know, 15 mile radius. You're either a Johnson or you're one of us. Yeah. And so um, the Johnsons aren't Indian. We are, and a lot of the the land that our ranches sit on are actually original tribal allotments from my grandmother's. Um, or my great grandmother's family. So um, we have fields that are named for whatever ancestor it was that oh, whose original cool. tribal allotment. So like yeah. we'll say, oh, you got to go over and fix this fence on the Alec de Bray. That's we call it that because that was the, the my mother's great uncle whose yeah. original allotment that was. Oh, that's cool. Um, Deanna wants to know what your what's your favorite Christmas that you've had. The favorite Christmas I've had, ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I don't know. They all kind of blur together. It's like, you know, the ones that were kind of like disasters are the ones that I always remember. <laughs> we had one where my mom had this Pekingese dog and it didn't like it when people came to visit and we had the whole family over for Christmas Eve and it was like 20 below with a wind chill and the dog went out, disappeared and we couldn't find her. Yeah. And so we spent the entire Christmas Eve hunting for the dog. And then everybody left and the dog appeared all warm and toasty. We have no idea where she'd been. She basically ruined the entire evening for everybody. Um, those are the kind of stories that my family tells. There was the one where they spent the whole evening trying to get break into my aunt's car because she accidentally locked her keys in it. Again, 20 below. And we're an hour from the nearest town, so you just don't call AAA. Yeah. They did call AAA, and AAA did eventually come and get into the car because they had a membership, but um, they didn't come till the next day. They don't do Christmas Eve out in the middle of the boonies, apparently. It's always fun when there's a lot of family around, right? Yeah, and we, like I said, um, my mom's whole family lives right around us. So, yeah. like, um, she had two sisters and a brother, and all four of those ranches are within, like, a 10-mile radius. Yeah. So, so they're all right here. And they're all, um, most of the family is involved in rodeo. So, that's, like, people say, you know, why did you marry a cowboy? Why do you write about cowboys? I'm like, I don't know any better. Um, so uh, Carrie Smith Byerly wants to know where you got your inspiration for the Mile High series. Mile so High. Christina. Oh, is that you? Christina. That's you, Christina. Uh, sorry. Christina. Um, so I so the Mile High Match series came from it's like guys in unlikely professions. And I was working on a series in 2016, early 2016. And it was all about like royal princes and chocolate and like that type of thing. And then I had this idea 
what if you had a biker who had to plan a wedding? And I pitched it to my writing coach at the time because I wasn't published or anything. And I said, I had this idea, but I'm working on this other story. And she said, no, you should stop and you should write that. And so that was the first story. And then I was like, well, what if you had a florist? And what if you had a, uh, a bodybuilder maybe who owns a bridal shop? So it was, it all kind of came through, those ideas came through different channels. Like I remember um, the bodybuilder bridal shop owner came from um, RWA. We were chatting about the series in I believe Dylan's hotel room. And that idea kind of got tossed around as like, well, what if you had a bodybuilder, what would he do? And so we kind of came up with what that would, what he would do. So yeah, so that's where the idea came from. That was mine. And sure also, was <laughs> you don't remember? Line. Which RWA? It was um, creamsicles, remember? Leanne Bristow made creamsicles with vodka. Was that in San Diego? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah. So, Carrie, uh, I remember. Carrie, um, real quick. Sure. Linda wants to know what does your hat say, Carrie? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I won um, it. So it says um, Barhead Senior Pro Rodeo. Can you read it? 2018. Yep. And then in the back it says Champion. I actually have two of them. We um. On the day that they happened to give the hats away, my husband and I won both the team roping and I won the breakaway roping. So I have a couple of them. And they're the only ones I can find because I have we have like three of them in the house <laughs> between us. So, yeah, this I was going to go with the Dodge Rams looks like tonight's or broadcast is brought to you by <laughs> Dodge Rams. It's all my husband will drive. He had to he had to switch over from uh, diesel to gas just and recently and he still uh he still got a power wagon so we um actually i hate to say your husband's not gonna like this but we would have rather had a ford but we couldn't find one with a five speed really so we ended up buying a, a dodge but um they part of the reason is because with our wind the dodge for whatever reason the cab whistles when you're driving in the wind and it's really loud oh really it's, Live where I live, you actually buy your vehicle based on how well it travels in the wind. Yeah, yeah. We live in Alaska, so our la uh, we. I mean, there's there's a lot of Dodges up there, but and that's kind of where he purchases. Well, not this one, but the one before is Dewey. But um, and then I'm gonna switch it over here real quick. Somebody had a question for Christina, but um, we're gonna have to click off here. We're out of time, and Christina said her battery's about to die. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, Maybe you can go in and answer their questions um, yeah. in the comments after we hang up. Hang up. Yep. Yeah, um, Tanya has a question for you too, Carrie. So yeah. Okay. We'll um, try to have you guys go back and, and answer questions after we're done. That's okay. Yeah. We got to announce real quick the um, the winners of our candles, and I meant to have them out here, but I forgot to grab them. Yep. Yep, I got it. Um, I don't have last names because all I have is an email address and I don't want to announce email addresses over the internet. So um, Teresa and Jessica, um, we have their email addresses and we will be contacting them via email. Yep. And so keep an eye out if your name is Teresa or Jessica. Because <laughs> <laughs> you might have won. <laughs> And um, then, oh, and so we're not going to have a broadcast for this the second Thursday or the fourth Thursday of this month because it is uh, right after Christmas. So instead, we have um, collaborated with a bunch of authors, and we are bringing um, 12 days of Christmas giveaway that starts tomorrow. So you, every day, keep your eyes open for the um, videos from our amazing authors. And I believe, isn't Chris, Christina, you're one of those, right? No, it's, um, who is it? Nope. No, who's tomorrow? Tomorrow is um, AD Award and um, Liz Kelly. Yeah, and Liz Kelly. AD yeah. Award and Liz Kelly. Um, they, it, 
tomorrow. So they'll be doing a quick video for you and then you will click on their social media links and the graphics and the contest will be open for 48 hours for each author. Um, we've got a variety of some new authors and some New York Times bestsellers for you. So uh, you have a chance to win every day. And speaking of contests, did Christina and Carrie, did you guys have um, giveaways for today? Yes. And you want to announce what you're giving away? <laughs> I can't remember. I know Christina's giving away an ebook of Going Down on One Knee. Okay. And Carrie, I wasn't sure what, which book you were giving away. If you're giving away an ebook or which um, one or a. Or a you no, know, since we talked copy. about it, I will do a print copy of Tougher in Texas. Okay. Really? So this great. is me. Dylan can relate to this, I'm sure. Um, our publisher gives us this great deal on buying our own books at the end of the year. <laughs> and so I'm like really low on books because I was waiting until the sale at the end of the year to stock yeah. up. So um, Tougher in Texas, I have a good supply of those. So I'll do a print copy of those too, whoever. Great. So look in the comments. We'll post, um, we'll do a post on how you can enter the giveaway to win one of Christina's books and one of Carrie Lindell's books. So look in the comments for that. So and speaking uh, with us. Oh, sorry, Don. I talked over you. It's okay. Just and keep keep an eye out. We'll we'll be announcing soon who who we're going to feature um, the first the second Thursday in January, and that will be coming to you soon. And uh, thank you for stopping by today. And we can't wait to see you next time. Yeah. Thank you very much. I hope you both have wonderful holidays. Bye. Thank you. And you Bye. too, Dawn. I won't see you again, Dawn, until after Christmas. Yes, I'm going to be moving. So that's going to be fun. Not really, but good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you later. Maybe next Bye. time you'll be coming to us from your RV. So that'll be good for you. Uh, yeah, my own room, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to be very excited about that. We'll see if we're establishing a house by then. But. For joining us for this week's episode of romance happy hour to find out who's coming on next or catch up on the video episodes visit our website at romancehappyhour.com don't forget you can always join us live on the second and fourth thursday of each month on the romance happy hour facebook page to connect with don or me check the show notes for our contact info we'll see you next time cheers, cheers. <laughs>